Hey guys, it's Heika. Hey everyone, it's Faith. What's up, y'all? It's Ty. Hey everyone, it's Jazz. Welcome back to Cold Case. So, before we start this episode, our sources are coming from Upstate Unsolved and the Charlie Project. In this episode, as promised, we are exploring the investigation process of the Suzanne Lau case. Last week, we discussed the main facts of the case and discussed who Suzanne was. Just to catch up on last week's episode, we discussed Suzanne's life as a SUNY Albany student and an admitted poem writer. All right. So one question that's on everybody's mind is, what happened to Suzanne Lyle? This is the question that we all want to know. In fact, there's little to no resource or information regarding this case. From last week's discussion, we know that she was last seen boarding off heading boarding off the bus heading back to campus at 9 45. she was seen by a witness exiting the bus that night and she was never ever seen ever again i can't imagine how hectic the investigation was since there was no resources and little to none at that regarding this case the day she went missing people that she knew became suspects yeah this just isn't sitting right with me at all yeah me either it doesn't make sense one theory I have is, what if her boyfriend is the prime suspect? So, Faith, can you explain to me as to why her boyfriend would be a prime suspect, though? So, okay, so, like, we're college students, right? We get into these relationships, and we have boyfriends, and in our relationships, we're, we're first, we're not from, we're far from our homes and lives. We get into these relationships looking for love and security, whatever the case may be. Suzanne Lau, since we know, wasn't really social. She hardly had friends from the information that was given to us. So her boyfriend was kind of, kind of like, not, I'm not saying her only friend, but practically her only friend. And practically the only known person in her social group. She wasn't a part of any club on campus, even though she loved computers. She didn't have much friends either. Her boyfriend even made sure she called when she got to work and left work at any time. Now, you you tell me that, that boyfriend shouldn't be a prime He's suspect. He's toxic. He is, girl. And to, to add on, her boyfriend even made sure she had to call when she left work and got to work. They had disputed her boyfriend and will be extremely upset. So anytime they had arguments, he would like lash out. And he seemed to be quite controlling. But you know what? I'm not going to lie. That's a valid point. So in fact, her boyfriend did call her mom and said, did you know Suzanne was missing? The theories sound great, but what happened during this investigation? Hike and Faith, you mentioned a lot of, you know, about her relationship, especially with her boyfriend, Richard Condon. Does her boyfriend, Richard, know more about what he's telling the police? Like, do you guys know in fact that he's he knows more than what he's just telling? Or do you guys, you know, like, how you know? Like, tell me the story behind this. All right. So her boyfriend did claim that he was playing games online with this, with his friends, I'm guessing, around the same time Suzanne went missing. Well, Suzanne's mother is actually very skeptical about her daughter's boyfriend. Um, in fact, she actually believes that he had to do um, with the disappearance of her daughter due to the fact that he was so controlling of her. Her mother was under the impression that her daughter may have been under an unhealthy relationship with her boyfriend, like any mother would be. Suzanne attempted to end things with Richard multiple times, and he never took it lightly. They always got back and continued their relationship when he got upset. I don't know Richard, but from what is being told, it sounds like he's a controlling guy and she was in a controlling relationship. He even had her PIN number to her debit card. Did you guys know that? No, that's ridiculous. I didn't even know that, but I don't know. 
Trolling is quite a little, you know, underestimated. For actually. having um, your partner's pin. Right. I mean, I mean they're college students. But sometimes, you know, people we share like a not an oath. We're not married, but sometimes people we give people leeway. You know. Really? So let me ask account. you. Let me ask you, Ty. You're a guy, and you're obviously a SUNY student. So you have a girlfriend, and she tells you, you know, you guys have a dispute. And she tells you she doesn't want to be in a relationship. You know, are you gonna be upset? Are you gonna lash out? Or are you just gonna be mature about it and say, hey, you know, we're still young. Go your separate way. I mean, it depends how far we got a relationship. Because, like, sometimes, like, you know, like, if we've been here for, like, a semester, then, you know, I got to know somebody for so long, and now all of a sudden, I got to find somebody new. So, you so think three months is a long time? No, sometimes people don't want to find somebody to start over with. People, and give them my PIN card, my PIN um, number? That's what I'm saying. So, if I got comfortable with somebody, I get my PIN number, and I get my passwords. And telling me to call you and, every time you know, I get out of work? That's okay, toxic. I get what y'all saying. I get it. It's I get controlling. It. Yes, and I'm not saying, bit, you bit. know, we're not saying that Richard is the number one prime suspect of this, this case, but we're saying, like, he's somebody to look into the fact that Suzanne was very timid she was a poem writer she didn't have a, like a social life we didn't we don't have any contacts for her friends it just goes to show her boyfriend was her like kind of one and only and her you, family you have a valid point like look I kind of I came across this article right say that Richard had called Suzanne a night of her disappearance but he did not bother to go check up on her considering the fact that she only lived 10 to 11 minutes away from Sydney opening According to the source, Suzanne and her boyfriend communicated with each other every day after work, which, like Faith and I mentioned before, it's very controlling. Why do I feel the need to call you every time I get off at work? Why can I have my own personal life and my own things to do? If what the mom is saying is true, then maybe the boyfriend called her to say that, you know, you didn't call, to ch- you know, to, you didn't call me and why didn't you call? And, you know, it could have went down like that. Wait, I'm not going to lie, guys. Can we, like, pause for a second? Because Tyreek did say that in the article, it said that Richard had called Suzanne. But earlier, he was playing, like, he was playing games with his friend all night. So that's right. a little confusing to me. Okay, so what I got from the information I've read and heard from the podcast, so during the investigation, he was with his, he was with his friends, in fact. And... And while he was with his friends during the time period, he had called Suzanne because that's what they're used to. That's their custom. They call each other every time they get off of work. So I feel like he just called her and she didn't pick up. And I don't understand why he didn't see anything wrong with that. They communicate at least twice a day. So, yeah. All right. Um, Since they spoke to each other every day after work, maybe he was communicating with her after and he's just lying about it. Okay, you guys bring up this idea of like controlling, and the real um, the like the name behind it is coercive control, and it's reflected in Susan's boyfriend Richard' abusive character traits that you guys are expressing here today. What's coercive controlling? Isn't that like a form of victimology? It is. In fact, it's the act of assault, humiliation, threats, intimidation from your partner. Suzanne and her boyfriend encountered emotional coercive control by influencing an individual act due to the lack of skills and confidence. So we're, we're dealing with a man. I don't know Richard from a hole in the wall, but we're dealing with a college teen. We're dealing with a college teen who has a, a girlfriend and maybe Richard is just like Suzanne, where he doesn't have a big social group. So maybe Suzanne is the only girl, or the or the or the only social person he has, like the only person he can go to. So this can this can practically affect her. You know, your boyfriend is telling you to call him and call you when you leave. Call you. you don't have a say in anything. And maybe 
maybe here's here's another one maybe Suzanne met a friend and she couldn't tell her boyfriend about this friend and maybe the friend was a prime suspect who knows but we wouldn't know because we were dealing with a, a, a boyfriend who was in a situation telling Suzanne to call and when to call, how to call, and you know who to who to hang out with in, in a situation like this. Right. So that's what co- um coercive. Um, so back to this control pen, is back to this pen information where her boyfriend had access to her card. Um, you, you're talking about when her debit card was missing and yeah yeah okay. um in fact i actually read something that the day of her disappearance twenty dollars were taken out of her account the man was never identified but he was named the nike man hmm. but like i'm still not understanding like how did he get access to her physical car and, and how did he, did he know? know the pen exactly hmm, because i know the boyfriend was the only one that stated that He's the only one that knows the pin. So or maybe, how is this added or up? Or maybe she gave the pin to someone else, like you had mentioned. Maybe she wanted. A she met a friend. Met a friend, gave him the pin. But when if she even had a social but life? Exactly. Or maybe that's the information we've collected. She's not alive. Who knows if her friends had anything to do? But with But I, I, I could say you this. Don't know if she's alive or that's not. That's true. Though. I think she is. I don't say that. I think she's deceased. Okay. I'll say this. A podcast that I previously listened to stated how the only person, like Heike said, who knew her pen was her boyfriend, not even the mother. During that podcast episode, Suzanne's mother stated that she had gotten contact with the bank and they said that the money was taken out from a store at approximately 3.40 p.m. And they said the person knew the pen. Yeah, I you? believe it was a store store, right? Yes. But don't yeah. the stores have cameras? So they, don't, they didn't know, like... Well, Actually, this is this the 90s. 90s so. We have to get Ooh, back to that. Okay, yeah, yeah. Right. I got it. You're right. Okay. Some stores had surveillance cameras, yeah. but it wasn't as popular. Yeah, and if I recall, they only had one, but it wasn't, like, really in... Yeah, like, yeah. It, it wasn't working. Yeah. Have you guys right. up to date? that the last time she was seen, it was at 9.45 p.m. after she got to work, and um, the money was removed out of the account at 3.40 p.m.? The next day. The next day, yes. Yeah, the, it was the, the next day that. she okay. disappeared. Right. I think but, the police, um, the investigation should have focused a bit more on that aspect of the fact, um, regarding the fact that they got her physical card. That's definitely true. It's not even like they could do Apple Pay like we do now. Right. And during the same sit-down with the mother, the boyfriend, Richard, admitted being the only one who knew the pen. So, you know. So that puts him, like, we got to think realistically here in, in an investigation. He's at the top of the list. <laughs> he knows the pen. We knew money was taken out. So you you have a situation where your girlfriend is disappeared, right? There's a possibility she could have been kidnapped. Why would you take $20 out of her account? He probably was in need of the $20. They probably was running away together. They probably needed money for food of us. Or never or you you're trying to hide the fact that something did happen to the girl, and then your alibi was she can't be deceased because twenty dollars money out exactly. That's how I felt so about. I feel like maybe she should probably at the prime suspect. Mm-hmm. Correct, based on the information you guys provided, maybe he was the suspect because the money was taken out of her account the day after her disappearance, like I've mentioned before. Okay, so I have a question for you guys all, for you guys, and everybody else listening. Um, could Suzanne have been the victim of a random act of violence, you think? Um, what do you mean by random act exactly? Yeah, because when I think of a random act, I'm thinking sporadic. And a kidnapping or disappearance is not a random act. It's typically premeditated. Mm. That's true, but what if the kidnapper... What if she wasn't... Hmm. But what if it wasn't, what if it wasn't a kidnap? Um, well... If it wasn't a kidnapped, I mean, uh huh. Like, if she knew the person, she felt comfortable enough, like a boyfriend or even a friend, 
okay I, is what you and jasmine trying to say is like what if this kidnap wasn't really a kidnap yes. is that the question you right. guys yes. are posing yes so like what do you mean because you're saying like a random act of of violence and you're saying that you don't really think it was a kidnap so what do you guys think this is i think i actually disagree with ty i think it was a random act of violence um so yeah okay well Random act of violence. Uh, okay, I, I can see the the, the question. The, the well, you violence. you and Ty are saying similar things. Ty right. is saying it's a random act of violence. You're saying we it have, is. We have, yeah. we have two different confused. ways of it, how it could have uh, been. Could have been. And, and yes. Heike and I are just saying, like, we don't see how it's a random act of violence. Because right. usually things are premeditated. Um, mm-hmm. Like, perfect example, Ted Bundy, he would kidnap people. Okay. And it wasn't it wasn't premeditated. He was just picked them up from the side of the road. Well, you're saying the victim itself can't be. It wasn't premeditated, but the act of itself was. Yes, but the victim. victim like, yes, right. Like okay. He stalking her. Okay, because you know social environments are another key component in this investigation. So far, we spoke about prime suspects and her relationships, and I think we also have to tie this back into social environments. After listening to a podcast, I remember them mentioning that she did not have any friends, which made it harder for the investigators to get any information about her. Well, I personally, well, we didn't find no information regarding her social life. I'm not sure if she even had one at school or where she worked at a baggage software, but I don't think she had one friend at work. Well, when I say no friends, I just meant like she didn't have a large group of of friends because we're talking about SUNY Albany. SUNY Albany is like one of the biggest SUNY schools. Definitely. They have tailgates, they have, you know, football games, they have parties. Basketball so games. for me, it's it's kind of hard to render the fact that she didn't have a large social group. Because yeah. we all know people who go to Albany and they have a pretty good social life. So we have to think about it. Like, why isn't that she didn't have a big social group in the first place? Okay, so we have an idea that she wasn't a social butterfly at school. Granted. Which is interesting being that SUNY Albany is such a large school, like you said, with a lot of school spirit, correct? Yes. From the same podcast, they also mentioned she may not have had any friends on campus, but she did not She did have a friend at work. In oh. fact, Susan confided in her and told her about her stalker. She was the only person who knew about what was really going on. Okay? Well, in fact, um, she was actually, her antisocial life played a huge part in her case being unsolved. If she was out there a bit more than maybe, there would have been a possibility that the officers in the investigation would have had more leading information that might follow up. She is described as a quiet woman who typically expressed herself through poetry or writing. Um, yes, her writing was um, very unique. Even her mother had stated this as well. She expressed herself like it was a story you read as if, like... You it was, was like, like an amazing yeah. story. Yeah. I really wish I had those skills. I mean, best I could do is, like, you know... Put a paragraph together. Right, put a, put a simple paragraph, call that a discussion. But not, not Suzanne. Suzanne was a, a lover of poetry. She loved to write. And she was able to put the word put words in my head and and the things you were thinking on a piece of paper and call that art um and make it make sense and she was a very interesting woman and it's so sad that this had to be if her mother thinks she's someone well um without her do you think she's in a place where she can write and still be creative honestly i feel as wherever she is she's writing down like what goes on day by day and if she's smart she's making sure her abductor her abductor i'm sorry will not find it he's probably doesn't even know she has all these aspects about herself 
Well, perfect. This is a great point. If you realize she channeled herself with her everyday life into words, and maybe she would have a journal on her that day. Well, those are all just theories on how she might have felt regarding her environment. I just think she was put into something. That is also a great idea because they might have read, read, have, might have read it and got to know who she really is and how she felt and overpowered herself. They use her own thoughts against her to keep quiet and under the radar. It's like they knew one... They knew, like, like no one, like, yeah. really, like, you know, like, nobody really knew her other than her family. They knew, they knew that Suzanne had a, a, a good head on her shoulders. We, we, we seen it. We, she was a college student. She was, she had a love for computers. She had a love for writing and poetry. They knew what type of girl she was. And, you know, at this point, I feel like whoever took Suzanne knew what they were doing. So I'm starting to feel kind of like this was a premeditated act you know kind of going based off what we were saying earlier because they knew the type of girl she was they knew the family that she came from she knew she knew that she was loved and all this so i just feel like to have done this is just ridiculous and who you know if is a possibility that you know down the line something can come out of this case i do wish that but, you know, this is all we have for this segment of Cold Case. We're signing off. This case is going to get a bit spicy. Things will catch you off guard. On our next episode, we'll be uncovering two different aspects of Suzanne Lyle's life. We'll get deep into her family issues and where the investigation might have gone wrong. To all her loved ones, just remember to stay strong. And justice hopefully one day will be served. I think so. So guys, tune in next week for our next episode. We'll be uncovering new facts on the case and we'll also be analyzing where the investigation might have gone wrong. See you soon. Until See next you guys time. soon. Bye guys. Bye guys. Later. Have a good one.